0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the can, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Years ago, whenever I was first, I've told you many stories about me learning to uh, rope calves and drag them and stuff like that, I, I was having a really hard day. Wasn't getting very much of anything, and <laughs> I was getting frustrated, and uh Mitch's old, I think it was you, Mitch, about biting your tongue. Yeah, Mitch would tell me, bite my tongue, <laughs> and just something to keep your mind off of it. Well, this was a long time before Mitch, and so I, I actually just started praying because I was getting really, really frustrated, and when you get frustrated roping, it doesn't help anything, and so I was just sitting there, and I wasn't like Asking God to make me, you know, a Clay O'Brien Cooper or nothing like that. I just wanted to do the best job that I could and take care of my horse and take care of the cattle and take care of the cowboys that were all around me. And I just, I really wasn't even paying attention to what I was doing. And finally, we got down to the last few and I hadn't caught very many. And at first, if you don't catch very many, they make fun of you. And then, After a while, they start kind of rooting you on. And if, you know, one kicks a loop off, they'll be like, oh, you know, they're like trying to make you feel better. And so finally, we were down to just the end, and those are the hardest. And I reached down, and I threw a perfect trap around this calf's leg. And just as I pulled it tight, another one stuck his leg in there. So I had two come into the fire, and I had to let them go, (laughs) because you don't really do that. I I got a two for one. I couldn't rope one, but I could rope two. Not only that, but years ago, and I've, y'all, most of y'all old hats know this, but I, I w- when I became a pastor, I was working for an oil field company. And uh, I ended up quitting a really, really, really good job um, so that I could be closer to the church. And uh took a pretty substantial pay cut in order to do that. And that was in 2008. And, uh, If any of you remember the recession of 2008, right when that started is when I switched jobs. And uh, anyway, they had to move me back to Odessa, which is where I started. And so I ended up going and nearly quitting that job too. I was just going to live on my meager church salary, and I was going to start some cults or something like that. Because the most important thing to me, was what God had called me to do. Now, I still had to make a living, but at the same time, I, I had to make a choice. And so luckily, before I quit that job, they found me something that I could do at the house. And so I was doing some pump tracking and safety stuff from the house for that company. And then the original company called back and said, hey, we heard you're working from home. I said, yeah. I said, what, well, do you want to work from home for us too? And I was like, Sure. And so what I ended up doing, I didn't work from home, I worked from the church. I had a church office, and I sat in my church office. I could be there for anybody that needed done. I could work on my sermons. I could do both of my jobs. But it was so scary in the beginning because I was quitting stuff in order to do what God had called me to do. And in the end, I had all of it back. I had more in the end than just quitting one job. There's another person that got a bunch for a little. His name was Solomon. His name was Solomon. And it's King David's son. And uh, God decided to bless Solomon. And most of you know this story. God decides to bless Solomon. And he says, Solomon, because of your father, you can ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. Man, how many of us would like God to write us a blank check, right? I mean, he said, whatever you want, I'll give you. Remember what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom so that he could lead his people. God was so impressed with his answer. He said, you know what? I am going to give you the wisdom that you asked for. But because of that, I'm going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you everything else. Solomon was the richest man that ever lived. He was the wisest man he ever lived because he had his eyes set on God. He had his eyes set on the next world. I ran across a quote by C.S. Lewis this week. And it just, it was so profound to me. He says this. And if you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and stuff like that. And, you know, he hung out with like J.R.R. Tolkien that wrote all of those books and stuff, and he was a professed atheist in his early life, and then he came to be one of the greatest theologians of our time. But C.S. Lewis said this, If you live for the next world, you get this one in the deal. But if you live for only this one, you lose both. If you live for the next world, you get this one in the deal. But if you live only for this one, you lose both. So how are, man, that sounds great. I mean, that's deep, maybe deeper than some of us can even fathom. But how do you live for the next world and get this one in the deal? Now, I'm sure that there's a lot of things that we can talk about. But I'm going to talk about today that there are seven characteristics of a person that is living for the next world and will get this one in the deal. The very first one that I think, the very first characteristic of somebody that is living for the next world is that they are thankful, that they are thankful. Nothing will get you more than being thankful You know, a person that's greedy never has enough, but a person that's thankful has more than they think they deserve. You want to get the most out of this life is by living for the next one, and living in the next one means being thankful. Nothing will get more than being thankful for what you already have than being depressed about what you don't. You know, I mean, honestly... I'm gonna talk about all of us right here in America. You know what we are? We're spoiled brats. We are spoiled brats compared to the rest of the world. You know, I mean, even those in poverty in America live better than most of the rest of the world in the grand scheme of things. Don't be a spoiled brat. Be thankful for what you have, and don't be greedy. Don't be greedy, man. That greed is is like a drug. And you know, it you you can never ever ever have enough. And it'll drive you insane. And you know what? You don't need as much as you think you do. Think about that. You really don't need as much as you think you do. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, in the simplified cowboy version, Paul says whether you're in town getting supplies or out on the ranch gathering strays, remember that you represent the brand in everything you say and do. Let all your life be a way of giving thanks to God. Think about that. That's what being thankful means. Whether you're in town getting supplies or out at the ranch gathering strays, remember that you represent the brand in everything you say and do. And let all your life be a way of giving thanks to God. Colossians 3.17, simplified cowboy version. Seven characteristics of a person that is living for the next world and getting this one in the deal. The second thing is honesty. You know, it's rare to see true honesty anymore, especially somebody that can be honest with themselves. You know, when you, when you learn to be honest with others and honest with yourself, it opens yourself up to who you truly are. Because every single one of us put up this facade in some form or fashion, and maybe you don't right now, but you have in the past. We put on this mask of who we want others to think we are. Man, when you really come to terms with how much God loves you and what He wants out of your life and what He wants to give you in the next life, we should be able to come alive and be honest, not with just ourselves, but with others about who we are. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm honest. I'm honest all the time. Well, you know, those type of people right there, they're they're honest when they're talking to you about you. You know, honesty is what everyone wants to give, but nobody wants to hear. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, just a few verses before, Paul says, quit lying to each other. You're not that person anymore. You're a brand new cowboy with a new ride and a new purpose in life. You know, somebody recently told me, you're not the man that you once were, is the greatest compliment I've ever had. It was the greatest compliment I've ever received. I hope I'm not the same man that I was 10 years ago. About a year ago, somebody told me that I was a better preacher than when they first started coming. I was like, well, great. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they meant it as a, as a compliment or a, you know something else. It's, well, you used to stink back then. I don't know. I took it as a compliment. I was like, I hope I'm better. I try to grow, right? Let's be honest, man. That characteristic right there uh, of just, and honesty doesn't mean you, you run around with like your honesty sword, seeing how many people's heads you can chop off. Man, that's not being honest in love. Just be honest about how you're doing and in your prayers be honest. Be who God made you to be. Take off that mask. The third thing of somebody that is living for this next world and getting this one in the deal is that they have strength. They have strength. True strength is power under control at all times, using it for the benefit of others rather than themselves. That's true strength right there. It's always under control, and it's always used for the benefit of others rather than yourself. That is God's definition of true strength. You know, strength is kind of like fire. Fire can be good. It can warm us up in our cold Colorado uh, winters. It can be good because it can cook a ribeye steak. On a Sunday night, it can also burn your house down. (laughs) Sherilyn, (laughs) she's not even here. (laughs) But strength is like fire, man. It's, It's how you use it. It's how you use it. What you use your strength for shows what kind of man you are. How do you use your strength? Is it for the benefit of others or is it to lift yourself up? See, a real cowboy ain't no bully. Bullies are cowards. Bullies are cowards because they use their strength in whatever form it is to push somebody else down. Somebody that is looking, living for this next life and getting this one in the deal uses their strength for other people And it's always under control. In 2 Timothy 1.7, one of my favorite Bible verses should be yours too. 2 Timothy 1.7, in the simplified cowboy version, says this, For God did not give us the spirit of a sissy, but a spirit of strength, love, and self-control. Your Bibles probably say, For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-control. God didn't give us a spirit of a sissy. Let's use our strength, but let's use our strength in love and self-control. I don't come up with these things just because I think they're cool. We go to the good book and we pull out what God, the characteristics that he wants us to live by. Number four. Now we've already talked about being thankful. We've talked about being honest. We've talked about strength. And now we talk about what Solomon asked for. Wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, not the amount of it. Okay? Wisdom is the application of knowledge, not the amount of it. It's knowing what is important and being able to separate the shaft from the grain. And wisdom comes from God Himself. It's not an earthly wisdom. It comes from God Himself. And okay, so... How do we use wisdom? Is is there a practical application that says, how can I apply wisdom? Because wisdom is the application of knowledge. Is there a way that I can apply this to my life? Well, uh, a guy named Andy Stanley in Georgia, uh, I listened to a sermon he had on wisdom, and I've, I've always remembered it, and I hope that you will remember this too, that anytime you're unsure of what to do in your life, and you're seeking the wisdom that comes from God, one of the things you can ask yourself is this. What is the wise thing to do? Not what would be the easiest thing. Not what would reap the most benefits later, or reap the most benefits now. What is the wise thing to do? But you have to ask it in three different forms. What is the wise thing to do based upon what has happened to me in the past? Have you been through this before? What is the wise thing to do based upon what has happened to me in the past? And then you ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do based upon my present circumstances? And then you ask yourself, What is the wise thing to do based upon my future hopes and dreams? And if you can answer those three questions, it takes out all of the emotion and everything, and really it opens the door for God to speak to you. What is the wise thing to do? I would encourage every single one of you, every single one of us, to ask ourselves on a daily basis, God What is the wise thing to do based upon where I've been? What is the wise thing to do based upon right now? And what is the wise thing to do based upon my future hopes and dreams? What is the wise thing to do? In James 3.17, in the simplified cowboy version, it says, you'll know cowboys that are riding with wisdom because they'll leave a trail of peace, mercy, justice, Gentleness, good deeds, hospitality, and not one ounce of hypocrisy. You'll know cowboys that are riding with wisdom. Ask yourself today what is the wise thing to do? We've talked about being thankful, of being honest, of how to be strong, to have wisdom. And the fifth thing, for somebody that's living for this next world and getting this one in the deal, is sacrifice. Is sacrifice. Now, I'm not talking about sacrificing animals or anything like that. What I'm talking about is Jesus told us that we must die to self. And let me tell you what. He didn't say, I, I I don't even know how to say that. He used the word die because it's horrible. You have to die to self to be reborn in the image of God. You've got to sacrifice who you were to receive who God wants you to be. You have to die to self. You've got to sacrifice your ego for humility you got to sacrifice your ego for humility. And you know what your ego is? Your ego is that little hangnail that just sits out there in the, in the breeze and just waits for somebody to touch it so that you can get butt hurt or offended or mad or opinionated. That's your ego. You cannot get your feelings hurt if you have no ego. You can't get your feelings hurt if you have humility. We need to die to self. And in order to do that, we must sacrifice our ego for humility. We must sacrifice our opinions for the truth. And where does the truth come from? The truth can only come from God. The truth can only come from God. We've all got opinions about anything and everything. And a lot of people, you know, they ask me about the current state of affairs of what my opinion is. And most of the time I try not to give it. I try not to give it because it doesn't really matter what my opinion is. Because the truth of the matter is in the good book is that you go read Revelations and it's going to tell you that this world is going to go to hell in a handbasket and that Jesus is going to come back and restore everything. Let's have that. We must sacrifice our ego for humility. We must sacrifice our opinions for the truth. And we must sacrifice our anger for love. We must sacrifice our anger for love. Trade it in. Sacrifice that anger on on the altar of whatever it is and be ready to not only receive the love of God, but to be able to give it. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 24, simplified cowboy version, and those who ride for Christ have nailed their sinful human natures to the cross. All the dirty passions and nasty desires are dead. Galatians 5.24. We must die to self. And those who ride for Christ have nailed their sinful human natures to the cross. We're nearly done. Number six, a backbone. Courage doesn't mean that you aren't afraid. Courage does not mean that you are not afraid. It means that you can keep going even if you are. We talked about this last week. Courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid. As a matter of fact, courage cannot exist in the absence of fear. Courage cannot exist in the absence of fear. Because if you are not afraid, you can't have courage. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be afraid. It means that you're not going to let it stop you. Somebody living for this next world and getting this one in return or in the deal has a backbone. Growing a backbone takes a lot of being scared and a lot of time in the saddle outside your comfort zone. Think about that. Having a backbone takes a lot of being scared and a lot of time in the saddle outside of your comfort zone. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14, simplified cowboy version. Stay alert and keep both feet in the stirrups. Tie hard and fast to your faith. Be courageous and be strong. Do nothing without love. Man, you want to talk about having a backbone? You want to know how to get a godly backbone? It's right there. Stay alert and keep both feet in the stirrups. Tie hard and fast to your faith. Be courageous and be strong and do nothing without love. Now what would this world be like if we had people that were thankful? What would this world be like if we had people that were honest? What would this world be like if we had people that were used their strength for the benefit of others? What would this world be like if people used wisdom? What would this world be like if people sacrificed their egos and their opinions and their anger for humility, for truth and for love, and what would this world be like if we had a backbone and stood up for God and stood up for what was right and did nothing without love. You know what all of those would lead to? Number seven, somebody that was loyal. Somebody that was loyal to God. That put everything on the back burner, except this next life. And when we do that, when we focus on this next life, we get this one in the deal. Loyalty. Are you loyal to God? Look at your time. How much of your time is spent with God. Look at your energy. You know, I I got here at 7.15 this morning and all of this stuff was already set up and there's like 20 people here. 6.30 this morning. You know who they were doing it for? They were doing it for God and for y'all. Man, you wanna talk about their time and their energy? I saw where it was going. Look at where you put your hours. What do you do with your weekends? Look at your bank account. Look at your words. Look at your thoughts. All of it are indicative to your loyalty. These will all point towards whether your loyalties lie only in this world or in the next. In Romans 1.16, Simplified Calvary Version, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the good news. I am not ashamed of the good news. I wear its brand upon my heart with pride. It's the power of God by which all those that ride for God are saved. Let me ask you this. Are you ashamed of the good news? Are you ashamed of the good news? Do you wear God's brand on your heart with pride? And we need to start being thankful. We need to start being honest. We need to start using wisdom. We need to make that sacrifice of our ego and our pride and our anger. We need to grow backbone, guys. And we need to be loyal to the brand because God was loyal to us when He sent His Son in the form of a man to live a perfect life And then swap places with us because it's us that belonged on that cross, not him.